Welcome to Six Pack. I'm your host, Erin Inselman. This is an uncut show that supports parents in the enjoyment of raising children and having the fire and spirit to do life, with a side of sarcasm and humor, of course. I'm a mom of six, a wife, and a business owner in the health and fitness industry. Each week, myself and other experts will be sharing pointers and stories on parenting, self-growth, health and fitness, and relationships. Join me for this real and raw show dedicated to sharing tips, tribulations, and the triumphs of everyday life. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on a Sunday morning early. I mean, I, I know your schedule is unbelievably crazy, so I know that morning hours don't bother you too much. Actually, it worked out perfect. My kids ended up having a sleepover at the neighbors, so I actually don't have little ones running around, which is my worst fear on Sunday morning. I'm like, how do you keep these kids quiet? <laughs> no, exactly. Well, gosh, you could have had a sleep-in day. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm usually a morning person anyway. My husband yeah. does sleep. He leaves for work at 5 or at uh, 5.30, so yeah, my idea of sleeping in is anything past 5.30. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'm actually in Florida right now. We have two of our kids that live down in Florida. We have a son that uh, attends a boarding school and plays football, and so it was his senior night. So uh, we came down, but I was the same thing. I was like, okay, how can I get the rest of the kids to be quiet? That's always the big thing in, in any of the podcast, you know, recordings or anything like that. So it's like, lock the door. You may not come in. I usually hide in my closet. <laughs> Oh, the things we do as mothers. <laughs> I know, exactly. Well, my gosh, thank you so much for being on the show and everything. And I was really, you know, grateful for Patrick to introduce the two of us. So um, yeah, I, such a small yeah. world. Yeah. I just sent you an email with a headshot in the bio. So it oh, fantastic. Be- Okay, great. Thank you so much. Well, gosh, with your background in, well, first of all, as a former athlete, as a current athlete, with your background in OBGYN and nutrition, exercise, health, science, and even just being on the Titan Games, you know, Miss America, in addition to all of this, I mean, just being a mom of three girls, I mean, gosh, Jamie, how do you, one is how do you do it? (laughs) Yeah, some days I'm not sure. Right. (laughs) I have an amazing partner. So my husband is such an incredible support system and he really helps our family, you know, do what we do. But I think, you know, really part of success in life is really understanding where your priorities lie. And, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life, but the way that I lived my life in 2020 and the way I lived my life about five years ago is completely different. And the shift unfortunately happened because I was told that my health wasn't in a good place. So I was told mm-hmm. I had pre-diabetes and I had hypothyroidism, but I also had a really horrible tragedy happen in my life. And it's sad sometimes as humans that we don't really, you know, understand how grateful we are for what we have until like it's ripped away. And, but I had this kind of sudden sense of mortality in 2015, losing one of my best friends at the age of 29. And she was... Oh completely healthy and she actually passed away during her pregnancy. And so kind of a combination of all of these things, I just felt like, like a fraud. I felt like I really wasn't a good doctor because I was living with these preventable medical conditions. I didn't feel like a good mom because I had the guilt of going through medical school and residency and, and going in the middle of the night to doing deliveries. And I, I just felt guilty about, about everything. And so yeah. I kind of had this reckoning with myself that, you know, I have to get myself in a good place. I can't expect to give 
to the world if I'm not, you know, living my best life and feeling my best. And so what really started is just kind of fixing my nutrition suddenly started to spill over into these other areas of my life. You know, once I really changed kind of my mindset about things and really kind of started living by this motto of paying myself first. That's kind of, you know, what my social media followers hear all the time is it sounds very selfish, but you know, if I put myself above everything else and I, and I eat the right things and I move the right way and I sleep the right way, suddenly I have so much more to give to the world. And so I started this business, you know, Dr. Fit and Fabulous, not ever actually really knowing what I was going to do with it. (laughs) I mean, it was a consulting business, but it's opened a lot of opportunities for me. Like you mentioned, you know, appearing on Titan Games and and then trying scary things like running for Mrs. Nebraska and, and soon to be running for Mrs. America in January. But I have these three young girls and I feel just this, you know, pressure to teach them how to live a better life than, than I did. There's so many things, you know, you know, when you look back at your life, of course, you know, 2020 vision is amazing. You know, we yeah. wish we all had that, that we could tell our younger selves a lot of things, but we learn by, by our experiences in life. And, and I hope that the way that I live my life inspires them to live theirs in a different way too. Right. Right. And like you had mentioned, I mean, first of all, I had mentioned that you were coming on the show on our last podcast and I had numerous people message me about just how much they love you and how excited they were to hear your message. And so I know you have um, not only a big following in the local area, but, you know, beyond that as well. And I think what's, you know, so great and people can identify you, women can identify you with you so much is because like you said, your story, you've been there. You know, you have that day-to-day stress, you know, with your profession, you have the stress with, you know, being a mother, and you've gone through that experience of having low thyroid, hormone imbalance, and, and as a woman, as a mom, as a physician, I mean, you are just someone that, you know, I think we can look up to and, and we can, you know, take the information that you're giving us you know, definitely with a lot of validity, because like I said, you yourself, you've been there and you found a way to optimize your health. And so I didn't know if you could maybe speak a little bit about your, like the medical system and the approach of tackling some of these issues. Yeah. So back in 2015, when I kind of, you know, started on this journey, let me kind of set the stage. So here I am, I'm a, I'm a young physician, I'm a mom, I have a nutrition degree have an exercise science degree. I myself was a former collegiate athlete, have a medical degree. And I thought I knew all the things to, you know, do and say, and we hear it all the time with our patients, right? Tell them to eat, you know, a low fat, whole food diet, exercise, you know, get good sleep. I knew all the things, but I couldn't actually do it myself. And so if I couldn't actually do it myself, like how do I expect my patients to do it? So I kind of went on this, you know, personal experimentation, like N of one, let's try different things. And, you know, I tried whole 30, I tried paleo, I tried this diet. And I really found that a really low carb or ketogenic approach not only helped me lose the weight, reverse a lot of my biomarkers, but I felt better, you know, but then I go in the literature and it's like, oh, this is horrible. You know, ketones are pathologic in the bloodstream. And so here I am in this kind of like toilet bowl swirl of like, is this misinformation? Is this bad information? Is everything I learned in the last 26 years, like wrong? And I think that part of, of growing in our knowledge is to always question things. I mean, when we look in medicine about things that we have discovered, I mean, 
sometimes we do have to admit that we had it wrong. And so I started really looking through the literature, specifically involving nutritional recommendations, because in the traditional medical model, we don't get a lot of nutrition education. We certainly get a lot of physiology, pathophysiology, how nutrients interact with our bodies. But we're certainly told, you know, for the last 30 years that cholesterol and fat were a major driver of, of metabolic disease and of cardiovascular disease. And so, you know, when I really started looking at the literature, a lot of nutritional research is epidemiology, which is not great. It's hard to really find causation in these types of studies. And so, and unfortunately, especially in 2020, political funding of research is there. I mean, to do research, you have to have money. And yeah. big pharma has deep pockets, politics have deep pockets. And so it's very difficult. I think that most people go into medicine with, with the right heart and the right mentality and the right headspace. And we really do want to make people healthier. That's been the biggest struggle for me through this journey is that people yeah. are like, doctors are in this for the money. The doctors are getting paid by big pharma, which just really isn't true. I mean, we all went to medical school because we really want to change lives. But the unfortunate part is we get preached in traditional medical model about practicing evidence-based medicine. So if there's not a study for it, you look like a coward recommending anything outside of randomized control trials. <laughs> and the unfortunate thing is that when we look at studies and we look at medical recommendations, really only about one in 10 things that I recommend to you in a clinic has really, really, really sound evidence. Okay. So, you know, medicine, there really is kind of an art to it, right? We call it a science, but the, I mean, there really is an art to it. And what I've really discovered over the last five years is that there are other modalities that patients might be more open to, or that might be right for a particular patient. And sometimes sure. questioning the traditional paradigm is important. And so what I've discovered is that we do have things wrong in nutrition, but then I decided to pursue integrative medicine because integrative and functional medicine for anybody that's listening that doesn't understand what that is, is essentially kind of looking at the whole person, looking at the root cause of problems and looking mm -hmm. at ways in your own life that you can improve these things without having to take a pill or a procedure or, or something like that. And that doesn't mean that that traditional Western medicine doesn't have a place, but I think that integrative and functional approaches should be kind of the first step, you know, for almost everybody. I mean, really for everybody, yeah. I truly believe that. I agree. And so how I practice now in 2020, I kind of call them like the five pillars. And these are the things that we explore in the clinic before we move on to here, just take this medication or do this. And the first one is nutrition. The second one is exercise or movement. The third one is sleep. The fourth one is stress, stress resiliency. And then the fifth one is environment. And environment mm -hmm. kind of encompasses relationships, but also things like environmental toxins or chemicals or things sure. that might be playing in your world. And so we may choose one pillar in which we want to, you know, spend the majority of our energy at first, but at some point we have to address all five of them. Mm -hmm. And if we don't kind of like optimize all five, our health really might be lacking. And then once we've kind of, you know, maximized those types of things and given our best effort is where traditional Western medicine, you know, might come into play or for certain conditions that we don't have a cure for, or, you know, we don't know enough about, but these modalities offer patients options too. They allow myself and the patient to kind of, you know, share decision-making into what they're willing to do. Cause I, I straight up have patients that are like, yeah, I'm not willing to change my diet. Like I'm okay. Okay. Well, 
All right, of course. Okay. Well, then that's fine. Here's the options that we have. And, and right. here, you know, the chances of you feeling better, they're probably low. Right. <laughs> you know, but that's okay. I'm not, you know, it's, it's always, um, we get to make decisions for ourselves. Um, and a really powerful uh, thing I saw a couple weeks ago that's just been really resonating with me is that our choices reflect our priorities. And that yes. is completely true. And at different stages of our life, we have different priorities. And sometimes people aren't ready to make those changes. But for the people that are, it's been super powerful to watch people literally just like transform their whole life just based off these very easy, simple things. And it's really just changing your daily habits. Yeah. So with the clients and the patients that you have, like you said, mentioned in those five pillars, is nutrition typically the first one that you tackle? Yeah, I think nutrition is the most powerful one. I do too. I really do because I think that you could be exercising a lot. You could be sleeping well, living a low stress life, low toxin life, good marriage, good relationships. Mm-hmm. And I still find that patients suffer from, from a lot of problems, even if it's not necessarily, you know, full-fledged disease, they just don't feel good. Their brain doesn't right. function right. And that's kind of actually where I was living. You know, I was running half marathons and I got diagnosed with pre-diabetes. Okay. When they say you can't have <laughs> a bad diet, like that's true people. Like I was running half marathons. I mean, I was running right. two hours a day, right? And then come home right. and, and smash a bunch of sugar and flour and vegetable oils and things like that. And so I do think nutrition is the most important pillar, you know, um, or if we want to call it a pyramid, it's at the, it's at the base of the pyramid. But I do think it's the number one most powerful thing that the people have so much control over to feel better and to live a better life. And I know it sounds so cliche, but our body, we are a biological creature and we have these nutrient sensing pathways and, and vitamins and minerals and all these things are cofactors and all these cool things that are happening inside our body. But when you think about it, like if you make an analogy to a car, if you're, you're pouring glue inside the engine the car is not going to function very well. And that's right. what most people are doing day in and day out. Right, right. And many of us don't look at food as our fuel and the proper food, you know, not like you said, not the process, not the sugars, that kind of thing. So when you are meeting with your clients and your patients and food being, you know, most typically the first one that you, you know, you tackle and that you start with, have you noticed that there's, I mean, obviously we're all, you know, built differently. We're all made differently. And so is it just kind of an experiment to see kind of what works for that person specifically? You know, do you start with even kind of seeing what they're at where, you know, you have them make even a list of maybe what they consume over a three-day period to just kind of, you know, get a gauge of where they're at. I mean, is it that involved? Is it that specific for your patients? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I need to know kind of where they're at with things. And unfortunately, sometimes patients aren't super truthful. And, (laughs) you know, I could tell them, well, eat this many calories and eat these more and come back, right? But we don't find success with that in the clinic. And when we compare the people who are successful and the people that aren't successful, what is that differentiating factor? Because for most of my patients, I could say, tell me what you're supposed to eat. And most of them will say, you know, I'm supposed to eat, you know, chicken and vegetables and, you know, not eat sugar. I mean, that's, this is going to be a right. Thing, right. And some patients, right. when I say, well, what have you eaten in the last 24 hours? And like, oh, I don't know, doc, I'm just eating meat and vegetables and I'm not getting better. I don't understand that. So we have to like really be honest about what we're actually consuming. Sometimes I'll ask them, you know, tell me what you ate in the last 24 hours or I'll have them keep food diaries. And we really try to get an honest sense of what they're consuming. I think across the board, whatever kind of lifestyle or diet that you prescribe to, I think most people agree that eating 
real whole foods, right? So things that either had a mother or grow in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. But then how do we decide, you know, what you should eat? I do think calories matter, but I think that the calories in calories out kind of mantra is quite overplayed, right? Because you could eat 2000 calories of beef and eggs and Brussels sprouts, or you could eat 2000 calories of muffins and bagels and cereal, right? Those two people are going to feel very different. Very different. And look very different. They do matter, right? We can't just consume unlimited calories, but it certainly has been kind of overplayed because I, I lived that for a couple of years, just counting all my calories, like counting out the goldfish crackers of like how many I could eat. Yeah. Um, um, I was there once. Yeah. So I think many of us were. Yeah. Then what we do is we say, okay, where are we starting from a metabolic perspective? Do you have markers of insulin resistance? So all of my patients get fasting labs and we look at what your insulin resistance markers are. If you have good insulin sensitivity, then eliminating carbs um, completely from the diet probably isn't going to be advantageous, right? We may want sure. to replace some of the other things in your diet. But if you have insulin resistance, then a period of low-carb or ketogenic therapy will be helpful in reversing that. And then at some point, the goal is that we get to add back in things like sweet potatoes or, or those types of things if you enjoy those in your life. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we start. Now, depending on what patients want as far as like data, continuous glucose monitoring can be super powerful too. Because I've found that by looking at glycemic variability, you know, we've glucose, when we look at, I don't want to get too sciencey, but when we look at something called oxidative priority, glucose is kind of the first fuel source. Glucose and ketones are the first fuels within the bloodstream that are used. And I found that even patients that have pretty decent insulin sensitivity notice that when they have big glucose spikes or drops, they may experience more anxiety. They may experience more brain fog. And so kind of figuring out even where to put carbohydrates in the day so that they feel optimal, so that they can train optimal, so that they can sleep optimal can be super helpful. So these are all kind of little you know tools that we have at our disposal that can sometimes be helpful in kind of teasing out what's best for you um, right. because you're right. What I eat and what the next person eats might all look a little bit different, right? They all come from the same building supplies, but it's really individualized because we do have different genetic DNA parts that change the way that we utilize, you know, B vitamins and DHA and, and all these things. And so we're just trying to figure out how to kind of be your best self. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then like you said, then all of those other components fall into place. You know, for example, you even mentioned, you know, just the, you know, the environmental and the, just the stress, the day-to-day stress, even, you know, within our own lives. So what are some, some things, I mean, obviously the nutrition and the exercise are big key components too, when you do have that day-to-day stress in your life, but what are some other things that you do when you feel kind of at a, at a heightened level? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a huge problem. And oh my gosh, especially in 2020. <laughs> exactly. Right. So we have all of these things externally happening to us. Right. But we have this decision of like how we respond to external stressors. And we yes. have these two systems in our body, our parasympathetic system and our sympathetic system. And our sympathetic system is there for a purpose, right? It's our fight or flight system. It's like mm-hmm. if, if T-Rex is coming to eat you, it's going to turn on all these pathways in your body so that you can outrun T-Rex and survive, right? But we have all these external stressors happening to us that are constantly putting us in sympathetic overdrive. And for women, especially, if you're not able to, to deal with this and figure out ways in which you can kind of ramp up your parasympathetic system, this just leads to chronic stress, chronic inflammation, and it starts to create behavior patterns 
poor sleep, poor nutritional choices that just further exacerbate the problem. And I was living in that world. I mean, here I am, I'm a busy mom of three. My husband was working nights and weekends as a police officer. You know, I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week at the hospital. Oh, and now your grandma's sick. Oh, and now the bills are due. And now, you know, it's everything. I get it. I get it. Right. So how do we deal with this? Well, first of all, we prioritize the things that are important. So that's number one, right? You make yourself a priority. I'm going to take care of myself. Yes. Okay. But but how do we deal with these things that we can't control? These things that are flying at us. So we have to start to create behaviors to deal with that stress. And so the things that I really like is I think about it this way. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend more than five minutes worrying about it. And it's hard. I get it because you get these thoughts inside your head and these thoughts just start consuming you. So we create techniques like breath work. There's even just simple breathing techniques. There's one I love called it, you know, six, seven, eight. And these are things that you could literally do in your office. You can do them on a hospital stairwell. Sometimes I do them right in the operating room when things are very stressful. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter if the mask over my face. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Yeah. But there are things you can do. And, and what they do is they not only slow your mind down, but they slow your physiology down. They slow yes. your heart rate down. They bring your blood pressure down. First of all, that allows me to be able to think level-headed about things. But it also helps kind of combat some of these physiologic changes that happen because of stress. Other things that can be helpful, exercise is helpful for that, like yoga, meditation, other modalities like cold therapy, cold yes. showers. There's lots of other things, acupuncture. Yeah. I mean, we can Red just- light therapy, all of it. Yeah. We can just, I mean, with the, the list yeah. goes on and on and on and on. Right. And so you have to kind of figure out like, let's try something. Let's try something I've never tried before. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, going to counseling and working on relationships in your life. And so it's letting go of things that you've been carrying for 20 years. No, exactly. And you're right. Those things can be such a burden and they can cause us so much pain. And we don't even realize that that is actually, you know, like you said, that we've been carrying that for that long. And so sometimes finding out what that is, is just a huge stress reliever alone, but I agree. And and like you, you know, I mentioned finding, you know, experimenting with some of those things, finding some of those things that you identify with and then, you know, creating a routine with it so that you stick with it. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So we always think about training, right? People are like, Oh, I got to get my exercise in. What we never prioritize is recovery, recovery from our day, not necessarily even recovery from exercise, but just recovery from our life, from our day you know, turning off your phone for an hour at a time, being alone with yourself. It's amazing to me. You know, I ask patients, I'm like, what if I locked you in a completely quiet room? You know, there's no sound, right? Totally like sensory deprivation. Like, would you be at peace with yourself? And I have patients where that, that is a terrifying, like if I describe that scenario, they're terrified, right? Because they're relying on external sources of dopamine and serotonin and these neurotransmitters that kind of keep us at peace with ourselves. And so these are just different things to explore. And like you said, they're, they're so important, even when you've maximized these other areas. Yeah, absolutely. Well, gosh, I know you have, I mean, speaking of, you know, optimizing our health and stressors in your life, I know you have a lot going on. Would you mind just kind of sharing also with our listeners, just all those different tiers and all those little little different facets of of ways that people can contact you, things that you have going on in your life right now? Because I tell you, anybody who is a patient of yours is beyond lucky to have someone as wonderful and caring as you to be able to honestly like travel the journey yourself 
because I think a lot of times when, when people have, you know, gone through their own journey and experimented with what works best for them, you know, it just gives it so much more validity and you probably have just a deeper connection with a lot of your patients as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love my patients and I love my job. I literally like going to work every single day. <laughs> That's not um, a job then, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even at 3am sometimes. <laughs> but uh, people can find me on social media. I'm super active, mostly over on Instagram, Dr. Fit and Fabulous, but I've got a Facebook page. I do have a monthly coaching group that I lead people through open to men and women and, and beginners and veterans. And that group has really shifted. It's funny. It really started as nutrition and now we've kind of shifted and, and we're starting to kind of creep into these other pillars, which I think is, is really kind of the key to long, long-term success. What are some of those pillars that are you creeping into? You said, yeah, so we've now added like, so we started with the nutrition template. We've added exercise and now I'm really kind of going into mindset. So we're going to have a new November challenge coming up that will, it'll, it will be 30 days, but it will be a very intense 30 days. You, it's going to force you to prioritize some of these other things that we've talked about on today's podcast. And Fantastic. Uh, it's going to be good. I, I advertised it as this is not for people with excuses. <laughs> so I just launched the sign up for that last night. So people can go check that out. Things are happening in my world. I'm certainly working on a few big projects. I've been working on a book now for a while. Um, it's just, it just hasn't been at the top of my priority list, which is I so hear that. <laughs> yeah, but I've got Mrs. America coming up in January. And so I'm full fledged. We're not going into this halfway. I think it would be an amazing platform to have a, a woman yeah. in a position in this position, especially, you know, post COVID post 2020, we need a leader that's going to kind of you yeah. know, help heal our nation. And so I would just be more than honored, but we have to win it. So we have to prove that, yeah. <laughs> that we have what it takes. So that's my current, I've, I've never done pageants before. This is not my wheelhouse. So I have a coach and I'm, I'm listening and I'm learning and I'm opening. Are you life. loving it? So, yeah, no, it's been fun. My girls think it's like, so oh, cool. I'm sure. Um, yeah. but it's so outside, you know, outside my zone, it like truly is. And and I, my whole life being an athlete, being larger with muscles, right? It's right. Like, people might look at my social media and just think like that this is easy for me, but I'll tell you, oh, you know, gosh, no. after you've had three babies and you have, you know, you have muscles and things like that, putting on a swimsuit and walking in like five inch heels on a stage in front of thousands yeah. of people, like uh, just know, five inch heels alone, super comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so it's good. I'm practicing and training for that and we'll see what we can do. How exciting. What a great role model you are for your daughters. I have five girls of my own. And so I completely understand, you know, just being a strong woman, you know, teaching them about, you know, that they're able to conquer anything in life, but they can see definitely the hard work that you put in and the mindfulness and honestly, the research behind it, the intelligence that you have, you know, as you do pursue something in, in your determination. So bravo to you, you know, way to, way to be such a good role model for your little girls. I appreciate you having me so that we can kind of spread this message to more people. Cause I know there's somebody out there that was in that same place that I was and just feel stuck. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Seaman. I really am very grateful to have had you on and uh, 
for our listeners out there, follow Jamie, follow her. She's on so many different platforms and she's just got, I love watching and listening to you on Instagram. I mean, just the different topics that you, you know, that you tackle and also just your fun spirit as well. You know, whether you're on the Stairmaster waiting to live, to deliver a baby <laughs> or whether you're, you know, making food for your pet. So, you know, it's just, it's a variety, but it's real. And I'm very grateful for you just putting yourself out there and, and as a woman being able to have someone to identify with. So thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great day. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Six Pack. I hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today. Please share this episode with a friend. And if you haven't already, click subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Have a beautiful week. And tell the important people in your life just how much you care about them. Much love and blessings to you all.